Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very special guest by the name of Gerald J. Leonard. And he's been involved in a lot of things. He's got a lot of initials behind his name. But he's really a publishing editor, a CEO, and the founder of Leonard Productivity Intelligence Institute, as well as CEO of Turnberry Premier, a a strategic project portfolio management and IT governments firm based in Washington, D.C. He attended Central State University in Ohio, and he received a bachelor's in music, of all things, and later earned a master's in music from the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. I'm sure he plays music all the time now in a different way in his project management and his business of intelligence that he got certificates in from the University of California in Berkeley. And he does a lot with portfolio management, executive leadership, and he's even gone through the Wharton School of Entrepreneurial Acceleration. So really important stuff. (laughs) <laughs> that he brings to business every day. Yes. So, so how did you get from being in music to where you are now? Well, I would say the f- foundationally, it is my uh, love of learning. And um, I, I've always had a passion for learning new things. And whenever I get into, I read as many books as I can. I take as many webinars or seminars as I can. I try to meet people in that industry and you know it just constantly opens the door to uh to newer things but from music to projects and portfolio which are really interesting bedfellows um i you know played professionally and after having kids i decided i really didn't want to be on the road uh playing you know jazz and and i was doing a lot of classical things in new york as well and i i got into it when at the time if you could spell it they would let you in. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting statement you made there. If you could sell IT, you could get it. That's when computers used to be tough birds. You know, they were were such animals that you had to be able to speak the language, so to speak. Right, right. And so at the time, you know, I got to a point where I had a lot of leadership training as well as all the music and everything and uh, the people skills. And once I, and honestly, being a musician, um, you're actually developing the same part of your brain that is the mathematical part that deals with a lot of the concepts that computers run on, the logic that computers use. So for me, when I picked up the computer, it felt like picking up another instrument. Yeah. And the more I studied it, the more I learned it, uh, the more I, it, it just kind of fell into it. So I found myself in both worlds at the same time, uh, playing shows, playing concerts, uh, doing different things in music, while at the same time working in the, the field as a, as a consultant. 
and learning, you know, doing all the certifications and trainings. And um, those two worlds just kind of were, allowed me to exist and enjoy what I got to do and, and, and uh, bring some of that to, to my uh, clients as well. Did you ever have an idea this world would have exploded into what it is now? I, I mean, I have no idea. Computer, computers are everywhere. And if you, you, they're in your car, they're in your television, they're in your, they're everywhere. I mean, exactly, exactly. I mean, recently I, uh, in 2021, uh, I did a, I did three singles. Um, and I worked with a producer in Philadelphia. I did my first jazz singles, um, of my, of, of things that I played and uh, some um, song that I wrote for my TEDx talk. And we literally did the entire thing virtually. Um, I recorded all of my work here in my home and I'm now in Daphne, Alabama, near the Gulf Coast of Mexico between uh, Pensacola and, and, and Mobile. This gentleman is, uh, D- Donald Robinson. He's up in the Philadelphia area. The, the engineers were in the Philadelphia area. We worked with someone in California and we literally did the entire three songs and mastered, mixed and everything all virtually never met and played together. But if you listen to it, it sounds like we were in the same room playing at the same time. And that's the, that's how far technology has taken us to the point where we can do a lot of those things. And it's amazing with, with our computers, how they can mimic things. They can do things. They can yes. do so much. It's like you have the second brain that's allowing you to do stuff. Exactly. Exactly. It's just learning how to use it and also learning how to use, because I still think the most powerful computer that is out there is right between our ears. Yeah. You know, when I was learning computers way back when I was a pre-medical student, a computer used to take up the whole floor of the University of Calgary and you had to communicate it with little punch cards yes. because there was no other way to communicate with it. Now, everybody that was a community, a computer major could do it during the day, but I was pre-med. So we got to use it at two o'clock in the morning. Do you wow. think I was going to use it at two o'clock in the morning? There was no darn way I was ever going to use it at two o'clock in the morning. Right. So, so my love of computers is I'm a computer lo- a user, not a computer lover. Gotcha. Totally understand that. Yeah. So, so that, that's my world of business and computers, but you know, I've had to become facile with them. You know, I mm-hmm. use computers every day of my life. I've always used computers every day of my life. When I was in cosmetic surgery, I was able to do imaging of a person. I could take a picture of them, right. and give a person a rough idea of what they'd look like after the surgery by, by using the morphing tools that we used right. in order to help them give a good idea what it was like. Right. So, so so again, there were no guarantees, but the morphing tools were pretty accurate. Yes. Yes. And I'm sure today you know, it's, it's gotten even better. Oh, I, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. So it, it's a very interesting world that we deal with and all this stuff. But also uh, the world of publishing has literally been exploded by, by uh, computers as well. It really, it, it really has, you know, with writing my two books, um, I'm actually working on my third book right now, which is going to be uh, somewhat of a business novel along the lines of the goal and another book called Biz, uh, Built to Sell, which is basically I want to teach some of the concepts of, uh, of what I do around project program and portfolio management, but teach it as a story 
Um, and then, you know, where it's, you know, someone's kind of going through the, the journey of learning this on the job and has an advisor and just kind of like the goal with, with, uh, Elliot Goldrad. Um, but obviously, you know, highlight the points of what that person's learning it, but take you through the experience. But with that being said, having gone from publishing my first book as a self-published book, which is culture is the base, you know, I use, I, I, I literally combine my, my background in music and bass playing with my love of, of business and culture. And just like, you know, any good uh, company has great culture. Um, all great music has great bases, great bass lines. And so I, you know, I self-published that, um, learned about Jack Canfield and the chicken soup model and Steve Harrison and became a part of their tribe. And I learned so much more about the book publishing industry. And then I ended up with a literary agent and a publisher. So my second book was published by Business Expert Press. That was a totally different experience. But, you know, one of the biggest things I learned was after you birth the book and write your book, you still have to raise the book. And that it takes just as much or more time to, to, to raise that book and really market it and brand it and put it out there in the world than it does to write it. So you can't, you know, birth your book and then leave it as a, as an orphan. <laughs> yeah. You know, I found there's a couple of processes. One is writing, yes. you know, some author, some brilliant guy once said, it's not hard to write. All you have to do is slit your wrists and bleed. <laughs> I'm not sure about that one. But <laughs> it's a bit like that, but the worst part is the editing because yes. anybody can write a book, but really to make your words dance, it's a whole different story. It's a whole right. different thing to get it that way. And then the marketing of a book is really yes. I, a dog's breakfast. I mean, the genius between Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield was not the book Chicken Soup for the Soul. It was the marketing of the Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yes. They literally put it everywhere that people could trip over it. Exactly. In fact, one of the things that he teaches in his his process to his tribe is that they made a commitment to do five things a day. So that was, you know, Mark, um, um, Jack, as well as Patty Aubrey, who's the president of the company at the time and still is and very much involved with them. But each one of them did five things a day to market that book seven days a week, 365 days a year. And it took a year and a half with, with that much effort from three people to get that book to the, to the bestseller list. And that's when everything took off. But it's, a, it's, so it's like uh, sending a, a, a rocket to Mars. You have to do a lot of work in the beginning to get it out of the atmosphere uh, before it can start sailing through space. And so it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. And I mean, even after they went through 140 publishers and got 140 rejections, yes. what got it in the hands of a publisher is they put it in a little gas station someplace between Vegas and Hollywood. And some producer noticed it and said, hey, this is neat and and started to, to pick up on it and turned it into a book. If right. it wasn't in that gas station, it would have never been that bestseller that that it turned out to be. Yeah, and basically what he says is that you never know what one thing that you're going to do to market your book or what one interview you're going to have or what one article you're going to write that's going to be the article or the interview or the pitch or the positioning that's going to really help things take off. So you just have to keep doing as much as you can to kind of keep the book out there in front of of the folks uh, who are interested in it. 
But you know, it's like that many, many walks of life. I've, well, I've read the biographies and autobiographies of actors and many that became great actors and won Academy Awards. They kept making movie after movie well, after movie. And finally, one movie hits. Well, and that's what does it. Like the, the actors that played Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, they somehow that movie hit, whereas all the others that they had been in failed. And, and, right. and, and they did literally dozens and dozens and dozens along the way. Yeah. And it could be that at that time, they're just stepping along on top of their failures or the, or the or it's a learning experience, not so much their failures, but it's just a process of learning. And then they happen to find the right movie that kind of is a combination of all of that experience. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's talked about success. It's like the bamboo tree, which you, know, you plant and it grows in the ground for so many years before it starts shooting up. And it's just as tall in the ground as it is above the ground. And uh, success in, you know, book publishing and, and being successful in whatever we're doing is a lot like that. Yeah. And I, it's, I it's a lot of work. I, when I was in Vietnam, I heard they, they really hate the bamboo tree because it literally takes over everything. What's yes. it? Take it on root. And once, so they, once it takes root. Once it's root, you can't do it. And you can't get it out of the ground too, because it's just as t- it's just as far down in the ground as it is, as it is tall. So, so although we use this, uh, you know, when I was in Vietnam and saw the beautiful uh, bamboo forest, I said, "Oh wow, I can understand the problems that they have because it takes over the world." <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's, it's an interesting go that way. So, so you being here sitting, you know, celebrating what a great year you've had as an expert, what you've achieved and what you've learned and contributed. What can you share with us about the great things that has gone on? Well, you know, it's really more about the journey because I don't want, I don't think that they are, it's over and it's been a learning experience. Um, you know, I had um, a company invest in my company to help it um, go to the next level. Um, I started, you know, I was able to publish my, my, my book, write my songs. And a lot of this happened during the pandemic. I mean, really, the majority of this all happened during the pandemic where, um, you know, we're all kind of sequestered behind the screen, uh, uh, video screens using Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever tool that you're, you're using for video uh, communication and collaboration. And, you know, I think one, it was, I was I was already used to doing that and I was already used to networking and reaching out and I just kept doing those things and a lot of opportunities opened up because of a network of um folks I had built over the years whether I'd work with them um let's say in 2003 or 2008 or whether I'd known them for 20 years um it was like a lot of old relationships that now saw the value that I was bringing because I kept growing in that that soil that I was already in. Um, saw that you know there was something that was bringing to the table that we could partner on, and so those those doors open. Um, having a, having some great clients that um, that that you know continually see the value that I'm bringing to the table, and um, that that's again another long term relationship. So I see all of my relationships as something to invest in. And not just the transaction, um, and something that I I constantly try to give back to, um, whether it's you know how can I be of service to them, 
How can I connect them with other resources? Um, how can I add value to them? Um, how can I support them? But, but doing that over a long period of time where people know that you're real and that it's not just a fly-by-night, let me connect with you on LinkedIn and see if I can sell you something. But it's, you know, let's connect, let's build a relationship, let's grow together. You're going to watch my growth. And then when they see you're constantly growing, um, because I'm constantly reading books, I'm constantly taking courses, I'm constantly, you know, connecting with th other thought leaders and asking questions. And when you're doing that, um, you change and you, your, your impact becomes greater and you're able to have a greater influence. And so it was a great year, but I'm looking for the next, you know, five, 10 years to be just as, as great as the one I just had, uh, because I have so many goals of things I still want to learn that I, I realize I, I don't know that I want to get better at. You know, our paths probably crossed along the way because I've been a big fan of Steve Harrison and, okay. and, and Jack Canfield helped me write a couple of my books and he wrote the foreword for my book and he's been a, a great friend. Just this week, I've had Mark Victor Hansen on my show with his wife, Crystal, and it, it's, you know, it's great to be able to go into these circles again. Uh, exactly. I, I was a leading cosmetic surgeon in North America for many years. My life changed in the early 2000s when I was told I had ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and okay. told I had six months to live. So wow. thank goodness the diagnosis was incorrect, and I'm still on this planet, but it's given me a, a new life. It's given me a different way of looking at things and being grateful for every day that I have. Exactly. Being grateful about everything I've been given and yep. being able to help other people get to their level as a result of that and help people get to their, their wonderful presence that they are. You know, yes. I think every person is an amazing individual. All we have to do is find that amazing individual inside themselves. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I think it might have been Willie Jolly or some speaker like himself that said, we have to take our mess and turn it into our message. And, you know, like you, like for yourself, you, you know, having, you know, being diagnosed potentially with Lou Gehrig's disease and that not, not being the case, but obviously there was something there that you had to work through, right? But it puts you in a place where you were, it forced you to, to go to a place to dig and grow in a way that you probably would have never done if you hadn't been diagnosed with that. In 2018, and I share that because in 2018, I had a major bout with what's called vertigo. And it wasn't the normal vertigo where you kind of lose your balance and they, you know, do a little thing to kind of get you back normal. This wiped out what's called my vestibular system. I literally lost the ability to walk. And it was spending a weekend bed wondering if this was going to be my life and thinking I have a TEDx talk that I was approved to deliver in six weeks, am I going to be able to deliver that? And then remembering that in my talk, I talked about the neuroscience of music. And that led me to go, okay, I'm going to have to eat my own dog food and start playing music and let and see if that with prayer will help me recover. And literally within three weeks, I was, I walked into my doctor's office, ear, nose and throat doctor for the first appointment. And I had gotten back to the point where I could walk again. And six, three weeks later, I was on stage and I delivered my TEDx talk and wrote a new song, rewrote the speech and the whole nine yards. But that put me on a learning journey, on a journey about neuroscience and other things that if I hadn't gone through that challenge or that mess, I wouldn't have experienced 
what I experienced with um, with some of the growth that I've had. Isn't it interesting that some of our greatest uh, difficulties, our greatest things that that cause us problems, are really the the things that cause us our greatest growth? Exactly. Exactly. It's like our greatest pains become our greatest blessings. Yeah, and, and it truly is that way. Now, along the way, you yeah. must have had some role models. Who was your role model? Um, I would say, you know, folks like Steve Harrison's uh, Jack. Um, I have some friends in Maryland that um, have have you know that are uh, really good buddies of mine. Um, they're not they're, no, they're not famous people. They're just good you know good ordinary guys that we built long term relationships and friendships uh, with their families and. Um, and they they are are, are, are kind of like a good core a part of my life. But um, folks like Darren Hardy, um, I'm just thinking of Neil Patel. I, I I literally spend time looking at who's climbing the mountain. You know who's 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 been there with where I'm trying to go, and then how do I build a relationship with that person, whether virtually or do I you know? Or, and nowadays it's easy to connect with them on LinkedIn. And actually have a call with them. And so, um, by identifying key thought leaders, um, I've been able to connect with them. Another one that, that I just started, uh, working with about a couple of years ago named Dr. Paul Shilley. He's the, the, um, uh, learning strategies and the inventor of photo reading and a number of other whole brain learning concepts around neuroscience. Um, it's transformed my life with some of the things I've learned from them because these are men who have, gone to the mountaintop and, you know, figured out the tra- the way, and then they're coming back, and they're not just kind of telling you how to go there, but they're showing you how to get there, and whether it's through their material, reading, courses, or actually getting to meet them and work with them one-on-one. It's, oh, it's really that, transformed that, my life. That's amazing. Now, I want you as a project manager yes. to tell me about a project or accomplishment that you could consider to be the most significant in your career, well, I, I, I'm still on that particular project. <laughs> it's one of my clients, uh, and it's a retainer client, um, and it's with the Virginia Department of Transportation. I was brought in um, by um, a, a buddy of mine who was at Microsoft, and he started a company, and they needed a subject matter expert to help the client with a massive problem. They had uh, 14, and this was 2014, they had 14,000 projects that were not syncing with the system. And they were basically like on, like, uh, like schedules on spreadsheets, right? So you move a date, nothing else changed. And they had an archaic system that it needed to connect to. And so we needed to connect at an enterprise level scheduling system with that other system. And it was myself and three developers. And we basically, I used a lot of the concepts that I wrote about in my two books because I literally wrote the books while I was on that on that contract during that period of time. And I wrote about a lot of the things that I was I had, I had done and, and implemented. And it was, I had spent a lot of time on this particular solution. But what was most important was we were able to rally a team of people together that had never worked together, Many uh, a number of us from different cultures, different countries, different races, and we were able to meet a deadline for the CIO of the state, for the governor, within 14 days to even do a proof of concept to see if we could make, the, make this process work. And we were able to do that, and we brought it in a day early, and that led for us to developing the project. 
And, um, and that project is now, they've been um, um, audited by the Federal Highway Administration and are now number one in the country when it comes to road scheduling. Uh, they were literally able to save 40% of the time it took to build schedules. And if they change a date, it ripples out, and everyone across the state knows what the new date is and how it impacts cash flow, the business, and it's really uh, changed the way Virginia does road construction projects. Well, that's huge because, you know, I live in Edmonton here, and we built a beautiful bridge over our North Saskatchewan River. It's truly a work of art. Right. Five years to build. Yes. You know, they, they did fundamental mistakes like getting steel from Korea. And then it couldn't be delivered because of delivery problems. You know, right. we make steel in Alberta, you know, <laughs> at the same price they make in Korea. There's no delivery problems. Right. There's no delivery, delivery charge. <laughs> you have no delivery charges. You don't have any problems. You know, we have engineers here that are brilliant. But yes. The communication just doesn't happen. You know, yes. someplace along the way, it just goes kaflooey. Yeah, yeah it has to, there has to be, you know, when you do something along that line with that that large of an impact. And I think the thing that made it really um, successful, it wasn't the technical savviness of myself or my team, but it was us thinking about the customer and the end customer. In other words, the, fix, the folks out in the field who are going to be using this tool and considering what I would call the culture, their work culture, Right. Uh, and, and how they work now, because a lot of times projects fail because we forget to consider not the people in the front seat, but the people in the balcony. And I think about that as a musician, and I'm not sure if that's a, an advantage I have of being a musician, because when you do a concert, you know, you got the people that come and they pay for the front row seat. Yeah. But then you also have the people who paid and they're in the back row seat. And the folks in the back row, they want to have just as great of an experience as those who come in in the front seat. And that happens in business as well. And the front seat of the board, the CEO, the, the guys who are sitting around the table, the backs, the, the, the folks who are on the balcony, they're the, 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 the folks in the mailroom. They're the, 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 the hourly worker. They're the, the people on the fringes of the, of the company, but they have a big impact and can radically change the success of a project or make it fail. And when we deliver projects in a way that considers both groups, the balcony as well as the front seat, and that everyone is going to, we're going to consider the culture of everyone and get everyone engaged and make it and, 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 and deliver something that's going to add value to each of those groups, then you get people to get on board. And once they get on board and they believe that that system or process or tool is going to benefit them personally, then you got them. And yeah. they're willing to do it and use it and adopt it. Well, all these things are people problems. All exactly. these things are exactly what the issues are. It's not the technology. We all know the technology exists. We all have the stuff that works. But the right. problem is people problems, communication problems, yes. issues with things. And that's where everything falls apart. Yes, that's exactly correct. Yeah. So, so I, you know, we're almost at our end already, sir. This was a very enjoyable conversation. And excellent. How can people get in touch with you, and how can they get their book, your book, if you'd like? They'd like. Well, if you if you want to get in touch with me, there's a couple of ways. You can find me on my website, GeraldJLeonard.com, um, or you can find me on another website uh, for that's going to be like my, my fourth book called Productivity Intelligence. And that's at ProductivityIntelligenceInstitute.com. And you can find information about the book. It's on Amazon. 
Um, the first book is Culture is the Base, and the second book, where I write a lot about these principles, is called Workplace Jazz. And I write about the neuroscience of building high-performing teams, and, and really in both books, um, there's a lot of research that went into them. But um, that's the easiest way. You can look me up on LinkedIn, uh, Gerald J. Leonard. Uh, Gerald J. Leonard. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. This has been a very enjoyable time. And and everyone, I encourage you to stretch your horizons by reaching out to people like Gerald because he has knowledge that you don't have and his knowledge can help you in your field no matter what that is. Thank you so much. It's been great being here, Alan. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, have a fantastic day. You too. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, talk to you soon. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day.